wasn't sure I'd ever uh, step out and do my own thing. It took this place to do it. And it is Virginia Tech. This isn't some rinky-dink ass program. I don't know if I could follow that one up. I'm yelling into the void, and that's what I like doing. <laughs> Pete, nobody's looking at your tweets. We're going to recruit our footprint, and we're going to work our tails off to bring those Virginia kids to Blacksburg. Those situations are the worst when you are on top yeah. of another guy. The relationships are very important to me. That's what this place is built on. That's your boy. That's your judge of character. I'm going to end up in a Columbia prison. At 95 Miami, it's, it's my fondest name. And maybe the experience after the Sugar Bowl with West Worship and J.C. Price on Bourbon Street. <laughs> Come on, J.C. I want to know what you're drinking, Robbie. It is roasty goodness, even though I was out. What's the percent on that? 11. It was a dream come true back then, and it's a dream come true today. Hey, Mom, why don't you try a rail? We're going to put this old guy in a grave. For the love of the game. And I mow the lawn after work before the podcast. Mm, we just got better, guys. Welcome to 2 Deep Pokies Under the Influence, brought to you by Downtown Crown Wine and Beer and Dominion Wine and Beer. Virginia Tech beat Boston College 27-10, to 10, Robbie. We got that bounce back we were looking for. How pumped are you, dude? I'm I'm excited. It we needed the bounce back and we got the bounce back. Uh, it was a home game, so put a show. Well, I don't know if they put a show on for the fans necessarily, but they put a game on for the fans and uh, <laughs> a, a one where we came out with the W. So I'm I'm pumped. Uh, it's definitely a better feeling. Give us that cheers. Yeah, absolutely. The cheers this week. I got I gotta bring it out. It's early in the season. We have not played any high-powered offenses. We'll hit this in a little bit, but that lunch pail—it's—it's it's emerged a little bit in in Blacksburg. We're seeing the faintest hints of it at uh, right now, and it's starting to get me all juiced up and has me reminiscing about the days of old. So uh, let's hope that it continues moving forward as we kind of ramp up the competition, some stiffer, stiffer offenses to come, but I'm pretty pumped for now. Yeah, man. Cheers to the launch pail defense. Yeah. Everyone was kind of talking about that felt like an old school Virginia tech football game, the sputtering offense and a dominating defense. And, that might be the theme for the entire year, I think. <laughs> yes. might, might be around for a bit. Uh, let's talk about the AP poll, because this weekend in college football was was wild. There was a lot of ranked teams that lost to either unranked or lower-ranked teams, and a bunch of big upsets as well. We had Marshall beating Notre Dame. App State beat A&M, which was just great and hilarious, and I loved it. And then uh, Wisconsin even lost to Wazoo as well. But you also had Kentucky beating Florida and BYU beating Baylor. So it was a lot of upheaval, and we almost had the biggest upset of them all with Texas losing to Alabama by one freaking point. And you missed the the best, which was... And I don't say this to gloat with others' misery, but Nebraska. Oh, yeah, yeah. And their loss after losing to North Dakota, they lost to Georgia Georgia Southern, and uh, Scott Frost got fired. Well, yeah, they, what was it? They they lost to Northwestern by making some, like, terrible mistakes, and then they they beat an FCS team, and then they, they lost to Georgia Southern. And oh, sorry, would, they beat would, North Dakota, yes. Yeah, they beat North Dakota, but yeah. Yes. The, uh, the Clay Helton, of all people. I know, unbelievable how how things always... <laughs> college football is just a dream. It, it's incredible. It, it's so poetic, man. At the top of the poll, because Bama ended up beating Texas, it's UGA one. They, they took their spot, but Bama's just fell to two. And I, I don't know... When teams go on the road and play out-of-conference games, we saw it ourselves. Like, anyone can lose. That's why Bama hadn't done it in over a decade. Like, yes. they don't go on the road to play out-of-conference games because you lose those games. It's really hard to win on the road in those early season games. And so Bama escapes. They're number two. Ohio State, number three. Michigan, number four. And Clemson still at five. And we still have all those ACC teams up there in Miami, 13. NC State, 16. Wake 19 and Pitt still in the rankings at 23, uh, despite falling to Tennessee, which was a good back and forth game. And Pitt could have won, but I think Tennessee was the better team. 
Yes, certainly. They played better in that game. So I think they they probably had an argument to have that not be as close um, with their kind of body of work over the whole game. But that's how, how it goes. And, I mean, yeah, that I can't believe uh, it's been that long since Alabama has played an out-of-conference road game. That's incredible to me. I know. But, but then you have the likes of... Notre Dame that uh, brought uh, Marshall into town and uh, they got beat in their own house. So I, I don't know. There's just no yeah, way to so, tell. <laughs> you know how I said like, okay, Marcus Freeman covered. Maybe I'll change my tune on him. Yeah. <laughs> the old league Corso, not so fast, my friend. <laughs> yeah, not not so fast on that one. There's, there's a tough schedule coming up for Notre Dame. You know they play BYU this year too? Oh, no. Oh. Yeah, like there's – if you go ahead and look at Notre Dame's schedule, like it's not easy. They play UNC – either in two weeks, I want to say, and right before we play UNC, I think. And so that they could lose that game. UNC's offense is is really good right now. Yeah, you you just made me, because I was thinking about it, thinking our picks at BYU-Oregon this week, so I had to pull up their schedule. And man, BYU, they their scheduling has gotten out of control. They had It's ba- tough. They had Baylor, they have Oregon, they got Notre Dame. They have Arkansas. Yeah. They have obviously Boise State, East Carolina, and Stanford. Stanford's not a tough game, but dang, I mean, you never like it's still a Pac-12 team. You know, like yeah. that's a that's a P5 schedule. That's why they were talking about. I think it was Cover Three saying like, if they run the table, they're there's a way better strength of schedule than Cincinnati had. Oh yeah. Year. Yeah, you know, much better. I mean, Arkansas is is ranked. I mean, BYU is ranked right now. You know, those are number ten and number twelve, and that's not even counting Notre Dame. You know, things can change wildly. But last year, Notre Dame did they only lose the one game to Cincinnati and win all the rest of their regular season games? Because I think without that, Cincinnati would have never made the playoff. Like they needed Notre Dame to basically turn their season around. Because if you remember, when we almost beat Notre Dame, they weren't doing so well. Yep, and then our the win against us really gave them a springboard for the rest of their season, and they were excellent after that. Mm-hmm. But anyway, let's move on to Virginia Tech. Let's talk about this depth chart really quick. I got some information on Tisdale. They said he has been taken off of the depth chart depth chart completely right now because he's not going to play in the next two weeks due to that uh, ineligibility issue. But Pride does expect him to come back at some point, and how great will that be? to get Alan Tisdale back in the fold with this already deep defense that's playing so well. Yeah, that would be a bevy of riches in, in terms of at least the performance that we're seeing on that side of the ball. Definitely. Jenkins was banged up at linebacker, and that's why J.R. Walker ended up getting the start at Sam. But I think Jenkins is fine for the most part. King is the number one back still on the depth chart, but they were saying that Holston is feeling really good this week. He's the best he's ever felt this season because he was you know nicked up in camp but and we'll talk about this probably a little bit more later how many carries should we really be giving Jalen Holston over King or even Chance Black and definitely not over Malachi when he comes back so like we saw Holston get all these carries last game after King went out didn't really do a whole lot with him yeah like it's nice that he feels good and we keep hearing this but I just don't know how much more of Holston we really need to see. He's been around for forever. Well, that and his his whole game was not really coming in and being the primary back. That's not when he really shined. When he he shined, you and I talked about it going into the season this year. Was he was good to come in with another back who was taking the majority of the carries, and he was always good and fresh for you know five to eight yards when you needed it most that was really what he did he wasn't to be in every down back so mm-hmm. you know to your point when I was looking at the numbers and I didn't get close eyes on our own game I had to go back and look at it and watch everything uh, I did as best I could when I was on my uh, my golf trip but I'm, I'm back now um, but he got 20 carries for 48 yards uh, so you know, he needs Keyshawn King in there or Chance Black or, or somebody. And certainly, I think Malachi Thomas's body of work last year is going to set him, you know, above everybody else. Keyshawn King may have closed that gap uh, with his performance thus far. But, you know, I think that's where things will end up going. 
and it's kind of weird talking about the running back rotation right now with Wofford coming up because I don't think it really matters who the running back is against Wofford. We're going to be able to get yards and we should beat Wofford and we'll, we'll dive into that matchup a little bit later, not in so much depth, but I want the guys to be healthy, particularly King, because right now he is by far our most dynamic back, explosive, all that kind of thing. And so he should be good to play, but I don't want him to take 20 carries against Wofford. I'll say that right now. No, absolutely not. Yeah. (laughs) We should be in a position based on this Wofford team to have him potentially, if he's nicked up and he doesn't really have to play, then I would be fine for him going out there maybe a series or two just to kind of stay fresh and keep the game the game mentality going, but that's it. Yeah. And the last thing I had on the depth chart was just that Kakavitsis, the backup wide receiver, is now completely off of the depth chart at wide receiver. He's only on there behind DJ Harvey at punt returner, and so... The Kakavitsis experiment has seemed to have come to an end for now. It's just Christian Moss and, and Jalen Jones on the back of spots and uh, along with Jaden Blue. But uh, it was fun while it lasted. It did not pan out. It didn't, didn't work out for him. Maybe next year, maybe later this year. We'll have to see. In the SP+, Plus, we moved to 65 from 69, so a few spots better. Moved from 100th to 98th on offense. So <laughs> it's still still not looking so good, but... Uh, better than 100, and then 30th on defense, which is fantastic to see. And no, we have not played a good offense by any stretch, but everything's opponent adjusted. Last year's built into this still, and we're sitting at 30. So I feel pretty good about that. Well, I think we're the number one third down defense in the country. But dude, two spots on offense. We got 10 games left, potentially. We could have... 11 games left uh, or even 12. Uh, so depending on how things go, we could move up almost 12, 24 spots if we keep going two a week. So that's yeah, you're not, you're not wrong. So we'll get to that 80 mark. We were talking about <laughs> maybe a little bit better. Hopefully yeah. uh, the basketball schedule came out and this is just going to be brief. And obviously we're very excited about basketball. We're the defending ACC champs and I can't wait to see us and all the guys come back. We have a, a tremendous team coming back. Uh, this is what the breakdown was that the, the team tweeted out. We got six weekend ACC home games. The ACC opener is against UNC. We get a big Monday night game against Duke. And then Saturday, February 4th, mark your calendars because we are playing UVA at home. So it's the ACC schedule's out, and that's exciting. But we're going to stick mainly to football while we're in football season. And once the basketball season gets going, we'll we'll cut over to that for a few minutes every episode. But it is cool to see the schedule coming out. Yep. Uh, I wanted to say that the stickers that I have been mailing out and that we've been selling are now available for free at Dominion as long as you make a purchase. So right. go, go buy some beer. Go buy some wine from Mirage down at Dominion uh, right on West Main Street in Falls Church. And you will get a free two deep sticker with your purchase. Just ask them at the counter. They should have them right there. I would be more impressed if somebody that listened to this podcast went in there and just got a sticker and didn't, wasn't planning on buying anything like to make the trip (laughs) there and to just get a sticker. Yeah. No, I'm just here for the sticker. No. Uh, (laughs) yeah. You have a great selection. Love the wine list. Everything's great, but I'm just getting here for a sticker. Thanks. Going to need that sticker. Uh, I also saw that Brent Prime mentioned that 133 recruits were on campus for the BC game, which was 30 more than he expected to have. And they were treated to a really good time from what the crowd looked like. I know it was a little rainy and the weather didn't yeah. quite hold off all the way, but man, that is, that's a lot of recruits. I don't know how many recruits normally attend these things, but that seems like a very high number. I always thought like, even for big games, I always heard that, Trying to remember the last year that I was talking to somebody that was in the um Oh yeah, the, you you program. had talked to the guy that yeah. does the uh I thought he said there was like eighty recruits yeah. or something. That I, would be I was thinking you were gonna say eighty. Yeah, I think that's like fifty more, fifty almost fifty five more. Is that than the pry there. and the bigger staff effect? No, it could be. Uh it, listen, the more the merrier. We need we need as many people as possible. But that almost seems like unwieldy with a hundred and thirty. <laughs> yeah. Well he said that thirty kids showed up he didn't expect. So yeah. it probably was a little unwieldy. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Well, let's hop into this game recap, man, because it was a great game. We got off to a really good start. We intercepted Jerkovich on the first pass of the game. 
Armani Chapman ran it back inside the red zone, and after deciding to go for it once on fourth down, we decided to do it again right at the goal line and punched it in on the run by our boy Jalen Holston. Up 7-0, the defense continued to dominate, and we added a field goal at the end of the first quarter to make it 10-0. It was a 49-yarder, by the way, which that Will Ross kid, he really has a leg. Yes, he does. The The special teams is starting to show itself, and there was a little bit of concern, at least with Ross, but it, he seems to have accuracy and a good leg. Yeah. Early in the second quarter, we had the ball again, and that's when King broke free for that beautiful 65-yard TD run. Showed off his speed, 17-0, real quick. It got a little boring after that, and BC added the field goal right before the half to make it 17-3. And if you looked at our first seven drives on defense, we held BC to negative six yards. So over 20 plays we're talking about, negative six yards. And we punted on our first two drives of the second half, which kind of continued the the slow pace of the game. And BC finally put up something on offense. They had an 86-yard drive, scored a touchdown, Pass to Jaden Williams. Matt made it 17-10. to And the momentum looked like it was shifting a bit, but we responded. We went 78 yards on a drive of our own. Nine plays. Scored on the pass to Caleb Smith right before the fourth quarter. And then pretty much just stifled BC for the rest of the game. They ran 18 plays for 18 yards on their last four drives. So not quite as good as that negative six in the beginning of the game, but just one yard per play in, in the fourth quarter. And we added a field goal. Hokies win 27 to 10. It was it was pretty uneventful for the most part. I would say the story of the game was that dominating defense, but I would also say it was us coming through in the clutch a couple times. Yeah, because the momentum it, it was a it was a weird game to watch because you felt like with how good the defense was playing that VT had an opportunity to run away with it, but then all of a sudden in the third quarter, you're staring at a 17-10 game. And that's when I started getting people asking me, you know, what's the score and how are they doing? And I was like, you know, when we were up when we were up 17 to 3, I was telling them, you know, it looks great. You know, defense is absolutely dominating BC. And then all of a sudden it was a seven-point game, which is interesting because that is the old Virginia Tech you right. know, game that you're nail biting. The defense looks outstanding and it's awesome and it's fun to watch, but you're still got a nail biter like in the third quarter before you can kind of seal things up at the end. And that's what we used to do in our heads when you're playing this game and it's 17 three and it's 17 10. You're doing the clock in your head. Okay. They need two scores. How much time do they have? And and you have to go back to when Matt Ryan broke math, of course, in the BC game, and he scored two touchdowns in two minutes. Yep. So now all of that's out the window in any VT fan's head. And no lead is safe. And so it's 17-10, to 10, and I was very scared that we were going to kind of blow it. because, yep. And it was so shocking because we had just shut them down completely, and all of a sudden they reeled off this 86-yard drive pretty much out of nowhere. But to Grant Wells' credit and the coaching staff's credit, came out they called I think they called a pass play on a first down that got a really nice gain mm-hmm. and just moved the ball right down the field. So Caleb got on the board with that touchdown which was also nice to see. Yep. When King went out of the game, I will say like there was a complete lack of playmakers out there for a while. Like I know Caleb was playing but he was kind of invisible for a bit. Yep. And that is the most glaring thing I think about this offensive team. Take a take Grant Wells out of it for a moment, but just the actual skill players mm-hmm. without Malachi. And if King's not in there and Caleb's a little banged up, like it's a dearth of players. And yes. I don't, I don't want to be smirch Blumrick because he came out and he had a nice game, but man, we need to find some more playmakers. We need our guys to get healthy. Yeah. And interestingly, you know, blue had his name kind of get shouted out and Andy bitter brought it up, but mostly because of his downfield block that helped mm-hmm. uh, Keyshawn King get the long touchdown, which was a sweet block. But yeah, we need to fill out that depth. But you're you're exactly right. If if with those guys out, if you if you think about it, whether it's handing off the ball or whether it's passing the ball, there's no safety valve really at that point. Um, and we've always had that in the past. You can say anything you want about the offenses over the last, you know, probably decade. We've always had, our problem has been we've only had one or two guys. You know, now you're looking at 
we don't even have the one or two guys mm-hmm. that, that there's no Trey and there's no Tavion here. Yes, exactly. And even on the wide receiver side, I mean, it, it's just all over the place. It's, um, um, I don't know. It's yeah, it, it's really tough to figure out where we're going to end up, um, where we're going to end up getting that production from, honestly. Yeah. Because if you look at the offensive stats, it was better than the ODU game, but just about anything would have been better. Mm-hmm. We had 284 yards total. Wells, slightly better QBR, slightly better passer rating. He only threw for a buck 40 and had the one touchdown, but it was certainly an improvement. He managed the game, which that's that's not really Wells, though. Like yeah. he's he's not really supposed to be managing games. Like he is that gunslinger for better or for worse. But I will take the no turnovers, right? Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe we forced him to become a game manager, and it's been his calling all along. I don't know. Yeah. It's it's it was it was not uh, that exciting to watch, but it was relatively efficient. Is how yeah. I would characterize it. <laughs> yeah, and Caleb had a nice night. The three catches for fifty yards. Blumrick his five catches for forty six. We talked about Holston and his lack of a yards per carry average, but he did he did bust in the one TD. Yep. Um, the offensive line wasn't great again, and that's like if you look at our tackles for loss allowed, BC had ten tackles for loss. Like mm-hmm. I, I can't even really remember them all. Like it didn't seem like they had ten, yeah. but we're not getting a push. Maybe they're take they're taking our running backs down like one yard behind the line multiple mm-hmm. times, but we got to get a push in that run game. And the weird thing is, they haven't tried any other combinations. We've had the same five starters play every snap on offensive line so far. Yeah, and that's a little bit, I guess it's a little bit, yeah, strange. And that's not the way that it has been in the past. So uh, Rudolph obviously has either just a lot of conviction in those guys or he you know, doesn't see other other guys that should be seeing the field. And that's a little bit troubling because it hasn't, the play has not been fantastic at the offensive line. So if there's other people who can't come in and mix things up, then I don't know what that's really saying about the group as a whole. I am excited about Plumbrick going forward though. I think that he has the potential as he gets more comfortable as a receiver in this offense to be one of those playmakers that we really need. And if, if you get Malachi back and you get, Caleb fully healthy and you get King fully healthy and you have Blumrick and you have Gallo, like you've got something. Yes. But that's a lot of ifs. That's a lot of health that we need to happen before WVU, before UNC and Pitt and all that. So there's the potential here and maybe blue comes out of nowhere and starts catching passes and Lofton ups his game. But that's why the Wofford game, I'm kind of looking forward to it because I want to see some of that stuff, but let's talk about the defense because they were clearly the story of the night Outstanding performance by the entire defense. 2.6 yards per play allowed. They had 10 tackles for loss also. Five sacks. The interception on the first throw. Just 155 yards given up. What a night. Yeah, and only four rushing yards on 26 (laughs) attempts, which is incredible. That's unbelievable. Yeah, I think Andy Bitter put out a stat that that was the fewest – he said since 2012 in the Florida State game when, and we lost that game, surprisingly, uh, <laughs> which is incredible. <laughs> Speaking of old school Virginia Tech uh, play, yeah, really. uh, that's, um, yeah, defense, they forced our, Armani Chapman, had the interception, um, like you mentioned, on the second play of the game, really the first pass. It was really nice coverage down the boundary side. Um, didn't um I guess we had one force fumble um from Garbit uh, that I don't think we we got that I think it, they they no they the, got they it but how ball. good was Garbit yeah yeah exactly three tackles for a loss and a sack and then he also tipped a pass as well so his stats were you know dude he good. had four hurries that like he could have had even more sacks he mm-hmm. could have had at least two more sacks in that game I liked his quote after the game too which is. A lot of people have mentioned a dog that hasn't eaten for three days. That's how he felt. Yeah, exactly. That's great. That's a great quote. That was, and Dax was awesome again, too. Yes, he is. You know, it's been so much talk about him for so many years to see it come to uh, fruition finally is really exciting. And then we held BC. They were two of 15 on third down, and they did convert one of two on fourth down. But that's that's that's, that's good that, living right there. 
third down conversion rate you mentioned, it's it's number one. Like, yes. It's the number one in the country. And I know the offenses. No, they're not good. But a lot of teams have already played an FCS team or two nobodies. So yeah. it's number one is number one. <laughs> like that's, mm-hmm. that's pretty impressive. I would uh, say that the tackling has been really good this year. And I think uh, Andy Bitter wrote about how they've been focusing on it in the offseason and things like that. But we saw some really bad tackling last year. It's much improved. Yeah. The only thing I did want to, you know, caution is you and I in the preview for this game talked about BC's offensive line being mm-hmm. pretty much hot garbage. So it, it it's no wonder that we got pressure. And I think that was also there was an exclamation point on that because we weren't sending a lot of guys and we were still getting pressure on them. I think their offensive line is really bad. So when we get up against some more formidable opponents and better offensive lines, maybe giving some better protection or creating some bigger holes for, for runners. We'll, we'll see what that looks like, but it's, you know, not a full asterisk, but we'll give it a half an asterisk. And it's an important caveat for sure. And, on the flip side, I'll say BC does have a pretty good back seven. Like their their DBs are pretty good. Their defense is pretty solid overall. And so, no, Grant Wells didn't throw for a ton of yards or whatever, but he also didn't throw a pick. And we won the game, and he had a touchdown pass. And that's a that's a solid defense. That's not mm-hmm. a not, nobody defense. So yeah, uh, it it can go both ways. But you're right, that offensive line is bad. But we did what you're supposed to do against a bad offensive line. We brought we brought pressure by just doing our our D line, just bringing four. Yep. And occasionally we dialed up a blitz and we got to him. But it was it was an impressive performance, uh, regardless of of the opponent and. And what they had, I, I kind of started feeling bad for Jerkovic after a while, man. His jersey was so stained, and that one shot where like Garbett accidentally like need him in the helmet, like yep. that was kind of scary. Like it was getting ugly out there. Yeah, he was under duress for almost the entire game. Uh, the The other thing is, it, what you are supposed to be able to do on BC is be able to run the ball a bit better. And uh, I know I don't mean to flip back to forth to offense and defense, but if we're talking about some of their weaknesses and their strengths, one of their mm-hmm. weaknesses was their, their run defense. And we did not necessarily take advantage of that, except no. for the one big uh, rush by King for, um, you know, the 65 yarder. And I, I do wonder how much better the offensive line might look with Malachi back there and King back there with a full plate of carries, yep. but it's, you can just see the push. Like it's, it's just not there. Yep. And so, Pry has been, he's been complimentary of the line. He has not like skewered them or really even said a bad word about them. Uh, but he knows it's not going well. He his his number one hire was Joe Rudolph. He's not going to go out there and say like, oh, they're playing like garbage, right? But we can see it. And I, if you read French's article again this week, he talked about it more. And the tight ends, they're not blocking all that well either. Yeah. Yeah, that would be uh, an aggressive stance. Your home run hire that you bring in and the fan base gets all juiced up about and then you just go scorched earth on the offensive line the right. first two games. That would be like what uh, Scott Frost just did with uh, <laughs> yeah. going out on and getting a Pitt's offensive coordinator. I can't I forget his name. And then scorching Whipple. him. Yep. Yeah, Whipple. Mark Whipple. Yeah. It's just, gosh, Nebraska is so funny. But you're right. Like Whipple leaves Pitt. No, Deducey didn't like him. He yeah. gets to, to Nebraska. <laughs> Frost doesn't like him. He's kind of throwing him under the bus after week one. Yeah. And now he's going to gonna be out of a job. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. What a year for Mark Whipple. Has a Heisman candidate and then is out of a job a couple of weeks. Yeah, and gets bad mouthed twice by two different coaches at two schools oh, in, like, inside of the same week. Uh, I think we can wrap up defense. It was cool. I, I saw Keller tied for second on the team with five tackles despite – not starting. Yeah. So that's nice to see him coming along a little bit. Nelson, CJ McCray, both had sacks, younger guys getting in there. Hope to see more of them this week. I think that was Nelson's first career sack. It might've been McCray's. I'm not entirely positive. Yeah. Uh, on special teams, we had a muff DJ Harvey muffed the punt. That was kind of bad. And we are still letting, if we decide not to field the kick, we're still letting them roll. Like I would rather, I don't know. You got to get under it and catch the goddamn ball. Like, <laughs> I'm, t- I'm tired of this. Like, I, there's not a good solution other than fair catching the ball rather than letting it roll down the field like we've kind of been doing. Yes. 
yeah or or try and block it with your body that's like that's very gonna go really really badly so yeah. uh yeah you're you're done Moore was awesome punting the ball too for us 45 yard average and he had a 67 yarder in the game so that's that was, yeah that was huge awesome. we're starting to see that leg we've known for for a couple of years now it was a clutch performance by the team we really needed a w like starting this season off zero and two I just don't even want to go there in my mind. Like that's how scary it is to me. So I'm really glad we got the bounce back and we got the win. Uh, fourth in yards per play in the country on defense. So that's nice. We talked about being number one and third down, but we're fourth in straight up yards per play. Nine hurries and six sacks through two games. So that's a total of 15. Last year on the entire season, we had 61. Wow. So we're two games in and we have a quarter of what we had the entire year in sacks and hurry. So we're getting that pressure already. Just five penalties, big improvement there. Yep. And uh, I guess that's about it. Do you have anything else and takeaways from the game? No, we, we, ex- I think uh, the team deserves praise, even though we expected it to happen on those penalties and cleaning up a lot of the BS from the week before uh, it was, it was early. It was week one that happens. Um, we expected, this week for them to refocus. I'm hopeful that uh, nobody gets complacent and just thinks, hey, you know, we kind of, that was week one and we shored things up. I don't want to see that stuff reemerge. Hopefully everybody remains focused and kind of diligent, but uh, definite hat tip to the team for cleaning that stuff off up because um, like we mentioned at one point in the game, it, w- it was a close game. And if right. we had, uh, the same type of uh, penalty trouble it could have it could have cost us some uh, or caused some issues for us. And one last thing that French pointed out that I wanted to mention was that there were several points in the game where it could have swung and BC could have had a big gain or we might have got stopped on a third down and either Wells escaped the pocket or Stroman blew up that screen or King broke a couple tackles or he exploded through a hole. There were moments in this game where our players made the plays they needed to make in order for us to be able to win. Mm-hmm. And those are the kind of little victories that you need to keep having for a team that's building like us. Mm-hmm. I agree. It was a good point by French, but I, I yeah. wanted to emphasize it. Yeah, it's great. All right, let's take a moment to talk about our sponsor, Downtown Crown Wine and Beer and Dominion Wine and Beer. Like I said, they now have our stickers at the counter at Dominion. I'm not so sure if they have them at Downtown Crown right now, but I know Dominion has them. So go in there, buy some beer at uh, right on Main Street in Falls Church, and you'll get a sticker. And then at the Downtown Crown location, just like at Falls Church, the beer selection is unbelievable. They have all these taps. Their bar is so cool. It has that video screen telling you how much is left in the in the kegs, and just tremendous craft beer from the state of Maryland and beyond. Really good location up in downtown Crown. You can go in, sit at the bar, chill out, have have some food, bring some food in, and then walk out with a great craft beer six-pack. So you really can't beat either of those places. Check them out. Downtown Crown's in Gaithersburg, and of course, Dominion is in Falls Church. For right now, Robbie, I need to know what you're drinking. I am not drinking. I am having uh, just some tea tonight, so I am, uh, I'm having nothing. So I'm going to have to uh, turn, it, turn it right back to you and see what, uh, what beer you got. I think you showed sure me uh, a little image of it here. In a oh, yeah. I, I presented it to Robbie as we were signing on here. I'm drinking the Trogues Dear Peter. Yes, it is addressed to me, as Robbie put it. When I saw this beer at Trogues this summer, I had to buy it. it it's not exactly my style. It's, it's called a Pennsylvania Wild Fruit Ale. And it's fermented with nectarine. So it's kind of got a nectarine peach looking thing on the bottle. And as you might assume, it's a little sour. Yes. And I, I took my first sip. I almost, I couldn't get my words out. It's one of those like, <laughs> where, you know, tightens up the throat. Uh, but it is good. I don't, you know, it's a little more sour than I prefer, but you get a little 7.6% alcohol, got a beautiful amber color. I like the nectarine flavor. I'm always a fan of a little bit of fruit, you know, nectarine, peach, mango, whatever in my beer, but it's a little bit sour, more sour than I'd like. So if you like sour ales, the Dear Peter from Trogues would be a good choice. It also came in this awesome 12 ounce bottle. It's like, I think it's 12.7 ounces. So it's a little bit bigger and very thick. Like you could drop this thing three times. You wouldn't break this bottle. It's a really nice, uh, it's kind of like one of those big boys you get when, yeah. around the holidays of like uh, those Kentucky bourbon barrel beers. That's what this is reminding me of. 
Yeah, the uh, the big thick ones and yeah, the you know what I like that's it reminds me of that Kentucky Christmas morning bottle. Yes, you know, from exactly. Hollywood. Yeah, you could hit somebody with that over the head and the glass <laughs> wouldn't break. They would just they'd be dead. I actually have some GBS in my fridge from last year that uh, our buddy Nick brought down to me, oh. and I know you can age that stuff. I know yes. you can at least keep it a year and it'll taste just as good or even better. A year ago, I did it with a bottle of one of those. I can't remember if it was Christmas morning or Kentucky Christmas, but kept it for a year and it was outstanding the following year. Yeah. It's probably better with like the Christmas morning or one of those that's when you get to like the Kentucky, that's so strong with that like bourbon flavor in it as well. Dude, that that's probably got to burn the throat after a good year or two. It's I'm just telling really, you, it, it was smooth. It was yeah. still smooth. It right. was really good. But I don't know how the GBS will taste. I'll, I'll crack one in, a, in about a month and a half here and see see what we got. But I love I love the gingerbread stout, the yes. traditional gingerbread stout. It's so good. All right, let's move to Wofford. This preview isn't going to take too, too long. Uh, I didn't even actually look into a single player's name. I went for the, the macro look here. I went for team statistics and stuff because I noticed they hadn't scored a point this year, Robbie. Yeah. So I broke this up into offense and defense. I also did not write down a single player because as soon as I saw that they hadn't scored a point and then I saw, and I was like, okay, well that's fine. They probably, you know, had got brought in and had a pay game for with somebody. But then I saw it was Elon and I saw it was Chattanooga. And (laughs) that's when I was like, Oh, they haven't scored a point. So uh, I'm not certain I even have the tools in my repertoire to evaluate an offense that has not scored a point yet. I think they had, I don't know, it was like 140 yards of offense in one of the games and probably something commiserate to that in, in another game. And I will say in looking at their stats, they cannot pass the ball whatsoever. And, uh, Elon and Chattanooga, I did not have to do a lot of research to realize that those were not the best pass defenses in the entire world, but they could not pass. So their their whole MO has been just running the ball thus far. Uh, almost kind of two-thirds of all their plays have been run plays thus far. But they also are 100, what is it, 97th in rush yards per game in FCS. Yes. So like, even though that's the better thing that they do, they're not very good at it. And us not looking up the players, it's not even disrespectful because if you didn't score a point through two games, how can you even tell me if those are the same players that are going to play the next game? You should bench all of those players and play somebody else. That's what I was saying. I was I actually looked up the stats. It wasn't for lack of trying. And I actually looked up <laughs> the stats of who had the most catches, who had the most yards. And then I thought to myself, the number is so low that I'm probably talking about like their third string like wide receiver who's not even supposed to see the field and just happen mm-hmm. to be put out there. So I'm just going to be throwing people way off base. And unfortunately, I don't even know if I could go back and watch this game if I wanted either of those games, if I wanted to. Where no, I would you find couldn't. It, so. Yeah, their defense is okay for FCS. It's 49th in total defense. It's not that bad. But the offense, as you mentioned, it's 113th out of 115 in FCS. The Sagarin rating is 207. And Sagarin actually puts all the FBS and all the FCS together. So that means he's got them at about the 75th best FCS team. That's yeah. that's, the, that's, that's the closest thing. We're number 67. They're number 207. Mm-hmm. SP plus puts the margin at 38 points. It said we were going to win 40 to two in the picks. So maybe Wofford gets a safety and scores on us. But really, I think pride talked a little bit. You got to challenge your defense to not give up a point. Yes, absolutely. And you have to, that's the, you know, to come away or you need to put out some really young guys there and allow them assuming that the game is in hand, allow them to use this as an opportunity to make mistakes and just learn. Mm-hmm. If you, if you want to go that, if you want to go that, you got to go one or the other, I think it is really just try and go out and really stifle them and dominate them, which you probably should be able to do with some of the young guys as well. But, um, or you're just, you know, just try and get everybody on the field and really get, get reps spread throughout the team. Look, anything is possible in college football. We know that, However, 
I don't think this is going to go like the Richmond game or the Furman game or even the Rhode Island game. I think we'll be able to come out, kill this team on both like lines of scrimmage, basically dominate in the trenches. And I know we're not getting a push on OL. You better get a push in this game. Like he, you, They better see one, and then they better get some backups in there that can also get a push because if you can't, it's going to be a very long season. And I want to see the offense really click for once. Like a couple – consecutive drives where we're moving the ball and scoring points. That's what I want to see. And then that's what this game's about. It's it's not so much about the opponent. It's about us taking care of our own business. Yes. And it, it ties back to when we did our season preview, I said, I'll be really interested in seeing how we do against the teams that we're supposed to be able to handle. Mm-hmm. And we failed miraculously in the first game of the season. So here's chance number two really bc was one of those teams i have a feeling by the end of the year we're going to find out bc is a really bad team outside of um you know having a decent quarterback so uh and i think we other we didn't do it on offense but we did handle our business on defense like very very well in that game so it's one of those where the teams that should be handling are we are we doing that so here's another instance of it for the year before the season, we didn't know BC was going to look quite like that on offensive line. But now it's become pretty clear, like, they're the last place team in the Atlantic. Yeah. Like, I, I can't imagine that Louisville or Syracuse or Florida State's going to finish behind them. And I know NC State and Clemson are not going to finish behind them. So maybe they get a game. Maybe, you know, they upset somebody. They beat Syracuse or something like that. But they're probably going to finish last. That's That's not a good football team. So... You're right. We shouldn't pat ourselves on the back too much. That's why in this game, we really need to work on us. We need to work on the offense. We got to get some young players in there. Pry talked about building depth. We better build some depth because this team has a lot of holes, especially on the offensive side of the football that we need to work on in this game. I'm hoping that by the third quarter, we're up by 14, 21, 28 points. Yeah. Elon put up 360 yards of offense against this Wofford defense, and Chattanooga put up, amazingly, 361 yards. So pretty consistent. So use those as measuring sticks uh, mm-hmm. and how porous their, their defense has been through two games to see what Virginia Tech puts out on the field. And it'll probably give us a good idea of kind of just how far behind we might be uh at this point in the year what we should be putting out there yeah if we can't if we can't put them away it's not going to be a good look like we know it wasn't a good look in the past but this this is not a good team and it's weird too because Wofford they're a decent program like they've had some good years they've won their conference they've been to the playoffs like I I don't know why they're at least right now on paper they look really bad so it's odd because and and Prius said all the right things. He he deflected all the talk. Like he's like, I have a lot of respect for what he did. The Coach Beamer thing to a T. Oh yeah. Like he he uh, he was good in the press conference this week. But he knows what this game is. He knows what he has to do in this game. I wanted to see what players are you looking forward to seeing in this game because we there's been a lot of backups that we haven't gotten a chance to see. Guys we heard about in camp that we haven't seen that much of. So. Who do you want to see out there and playing this weekend? I kind of want to just see. I know this is kind of a cop out answer, but all every wide receiver that we have in our arsenal, <laughs> uh, everybody. I want to see Blue out there. I want to see the 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 starters, um, and I want to see those guys all on the bench. And I just want to see what the real depth is behind them and how big the fall off is. So. Um, I know that's not a great answer, but if we're up a couple touchdowns or three touchdowns or something along those lines, I want to see those guys out there, hopefully with Wells throwing them the ball as well and see really how dire or thin we are at that core and really set my expectation for um are we going to keep coming back and avoid us keep coming back every week being like, when are those guys going to step up? When are those guys mm-hmm. going to step up? And then um, at least it'll answer the question of 
are there even other guys at this point that can step up so we can just put that to bed because it just might not be there. Right. It just, that's, might. cause that's what we had before. Right. Yeah. It was like, well, no one outside of Trey Tavian is going to really do anything. Yes. So we can stop worrying about it. Yeah. So, um, honestly that, and then I think it would be interesting. I want to see the offensive line shake out, shake it up a little bit and start getting some, whether it's, I don't know if we need to move people into different spots, but I would like to see uh, some of the two deep in there from the offensive line standpoint because maybe more the younger yeah, more, yeah, the younger and more. And then uh, Chaplin, yeah, I want to see Chaplin out there. Everyone talk about his size. Like I want to see him get in there and tackle. Yeah, so I think those are are the two position groups. I don't know that I'm necessarily. Um, that focused on any individual people. I'm right now. I'm I'm really just focused on kind of our two most glaring weaknesses in mm-hmm. my mind, um, and that's that's where they are. Yeah, I wrote down Lofton, Jones, and Moss, and I know Lofton has played and gotten some catches, but I need to see more of him. And Jones and Moss, like we haven't seen them do anything, mm-hmm. so. I want to see Tucker Holloway. Like you said, every single wide receiver, empty the clip. Let's see them all. Yeah. Mine said he had seven. Let's see all seven, right? <laughs> you said uh, you got that, seven guys. That's it. Stroman, more from Stroman I'd like to see. That's so that's a good point. That would be nice. Um, Moiston, Penne, some, some of the younger defensive linemen as well. Oh, Kenji Christian. Yeah. I wouldn't mind seeing some Kenji, Kenji Christian in this game. And maybe um, this is less about this is more just for fun. I'd like to see what they're going to do. Um, and maybe they shake things up at linebacker a little bit. Um, just given the depth that we have there, uh, that might be nice just to see, um, you know, who else, who else is in there? Who can Well, play. artist is so, going to get a heavy workload, right? Yes. Like he should play a lot. Maybe Dean Ferguson a little yeah. bit, but uh, Will and Sam are the ones that I think we need more development at. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's probably another one that could be, fun i'm talking like we're already up three touchdowns in this game yeah i know i know know. like it's it's weird to be talking like this but like i'm telling you right now if we don't beat wofford yeah (laughs) like like you might have to can somebody (laughs) yeah Wofford. i mean this would be this this would elevate uh and go way beyond anything that we've come across so i think we can rest assured that we would uh very much have a ninety should have a ninety nine point nine percent chance of winning this game. Um, we, it's really a matter of if we can't get into a position where we have a good healthy lead and then we can just start uh, bringing in our depth, then we're not even taking advantage of the whole reason you schedule these damn games, right? Good you, point. you you pay these guys money to come and get their ass kicked by you. You don't pay them to come and play for them to a full four quarter game. Yeah, Yeah. that's not what you want. Otherwise, you should go just full strength of schedule and kind of do what BYU does, and you know, you know, make your schedule tough. And I know they have a couple cupcake games, but people are starting to do away with some of the cupcakes. And so, if you're still doing them, then at least take it. You've got to be able to take advantage of it. Yeah, you bring up a good point. The biggest thing I want to see is the senior class at tots at about one, 1 PM because the game starts at 11. Yeah, so, that's right. So get out of there after we got a, a, a big lead and go to tots and enjoy yourself. Yeah. I like that move. Just, you know, make yourself small and sneak out the back. Uh, you can leave before uh, the fourth quarter. All right, let's get into these picks, Robbie. I got an ACC game to kick us off Florida state at Louisville. And these are the two of those Atlantic teams that we still need to learn a lot about Louisville is two and a half point underdogs at home in a Friday night game. Yeah, that's, that's going to be good. I didn't think Louisville was going to beat UCF last week. They kind of surprised me. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to take them to get the upset at home against Florida state. Oh, like that this is weird because you had fsu week one they kind of show up they surprise everybody uh louisville looks like they might have their feet underneath them with a ucf game i'm going florida state in this game i know it's on the road and it's a small spread but i'm gonna go with them all right odu at uva that's right odu is playing at uva this week uva had an embarrassing loss out of illinois last weekend but 
Nevertheless, the Cavaliers are nine and a half point favorites at home against the team that beat us. Robbie, I'm going to ask you to go first on this one. Oh, yeah, I have ODU <laughs> in this game, but only because I mean it's a nine and a half point spread, and yeah, I have ODU. Uh, okay, here. I know it's at at UVA. It's not not it's not in that vaunted uh, what. 20 how many people do they fit in their stadium yeah it's like twenty two thousand. Twenty two thousand. uh but um I, I i probably shouldn't do this because of the odds of them kind of like doing something crazy you know t- to two teams in the in the state i don't think it's really that high but i'm going with it yeah i i do think the in-state thing matters like i think they're gonna come in real fired up and of course they followed up the game where they beat us and they go out there and they lose to ECU and I think ECU covered 13 points or something which go figure we knew that was going to happen like ODU is not a good football team but that doesn't mean they can't keep it tight with UVA for almost the entire game and maybe even pull off the victory it would not surprise me one bit so I will take ODU plus nine and a half as well number 12 BYU coming off their big win at number 25 Oregon Oregon is the favorite three and a half point favorites despite that curb stopping they took in week one. I'm going to ride with BYU. Right before the game against Baylor, they had Romney was out, ruled out, and they had another receiver that was ruled out, and they still won mm-hmm. against Baylor. So I'm going to take them to cover. Give me that hook. I don't think Oregon's very good. I don't like Bo Nix. I'll take BYU. You were on the BYU train last week, and I was on the other side with Baylor, and you were right. So I have BYU in this game. It's at Oregon, but yeah. uh, I, I'm going to ride it with... BYU plays on the road all the time, to, it, all over the place. Like yes. They go everywhere because they're an independent. So Next game, Penn State at Auburn. Auburn, three-point underdogs at home. And you know how things get all wacky down in Auburn. I, I kind of like Auburn to win that game outright. Yeah, and they, they I think they played... This is a home and home, I'm pretty sure, because mm-hmm. Penn State Auburn played. They played uh, in um, uh, last year in um, at Penn State. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Penn State here. I don't. I don't know why, but I just have a feeling that they're they're gonna do it on the road here at Auburn. Next game: Texas Tech at NC State. NC State's number sixteen, and they're nine and a half point favorites. This is like. Two hillbillies fighting over a Bud Light or something in this matchup. <laughs> got yeah. NC State, nine and a half point favorites against Texas Tech. A lot of red in that stadium. Yes. I'm going to take Texas Tech, man. Uh, I have NC State in this game. That is a big spread, though. So these are like the two overlooked, like very much overlooked schools in their state. Like, you know, yes. you could name off like four schools in Texas before you get to Texas Tech and the same with NC State, like if uh, if you were to ask somebody. But I'm going NC State here. Texas Tech just got that big victory against Houston, right? Yes. They, they went to overtime. That was, a, that was a really big win for Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. Next game, number 11, Michigan State at Washington. One of those alliance matchups. <laughs> yes, the alliance is real. Uh, as, yeah, yeah. As Michigan, Michigan State is secretly courting them before the game starts. So uh, to come yeah. to the Big Ten, future but, Big Ten member Washington. Yes, is three and a half point favorites at home. Mm-hmm. You can go first. I took Michigan State in this game. Um, I people say Washington. I've never heard, I've heard Washington's an awesome stadium. It can be kind of loud there. It's cool because you're like right there and like the water's there. I've heard all of those things. I've never heard it's like a very tough place to play. Um, That's not something I've ever heard. So I'm going with Michigan State here. Now, I think if it's like bad weather, sure, it could Mm -hmm. be, it could be a tough place to play. But like every Big Ten school is used to horrible weather, particularly the ones in Michigan. So that hook is so tempting but I, I don't think Michigan State really deserves to be number 11. No. I, I'm going to take Washington okay. to, to win and cover. Number 13, Miami, against number 24, Texas A&M. Why is Texas A&M ranked? This so is so, ranked. Is so annoying after last week. After but not only are they ranked, they are five-and-a-half-point favorites against Miami. 
I it's mean, it's going to be a fun game. Vegas is just, they're so on point with like the weird stuff that they, how it's like, I, but I agree with it. I think no, a- I agree. A&M's going to come back just looking for absolute blood. I mean, Jimbo had to be so far up their asses during, over the past week after that App State loss. I can't even believe it. So yeah. um, I am, I'm, going with what I think Vegas is kind of banking on here, which is a, a bounce back. Or maybe Vegas is just trying to price it in that most people think well, there'll be a bounce back. This is a good test for what Mario Cristobal has done to that locker room because one thing Miami has always kind of been over the last decade is soft, yep. right? Mm-hmm. When they, they can't rise to the moment, at least not often enough, and this is a very big moment. I know Texas A&M just lost, but you're in College Station. They yes. were a preseason top 10 team. They're going to be fired up because they're coming off that loss. And you've played two cupcakes. So you haven't really been like in a battle yet. Mm-hmm. Has Mario Cristobal toughened these guys up to cover that five and a half? I think he has. I think Van Dyke is really good. I think they can cover. I don't know if they're going to go down and win the game, but I think they can keep it close. And the last game we're going to pick is UTSA at Texas. I had to put this on here because UTSA is so fun. Yes. And Texas could be almost back. <laughs> yeah, kind of almost beat Alabama back, I guess, something right. along those lines. And a lot's been made of them feeling good about themselves despite losing the game, which is kind of funny. Yeah. And I got to say, if we lost Alabama by one point, I'd feel good. But I'd also be so pissed. <laughs> yeah, it's like one point, and they had a real chance of winning that game. I'm gonna. They, they really could have. I this, this game does not make Texas back. So I'm because that is not a this is not a back game. I'm going to say Texas can go ahead and, and cover that twelve and a half. Yeah, I'm gonna take UTSA, uh-huh. and this is my uh, Chip Patterson. Wouldn't it be hilarious? <laughs> You almost I think UTSA beat, could win this game. You nearly knock off the number one team in the country, and you come back around to lose to UTSA at home. Okay. I mean, that is college football. That is like that is so good. college football. I could see it happening. I could also see Texas winning by thirty-five points, but yeah. I, I think the more likely outcome in those two scenarios would be UTSA winning. Their their coach is really good. He's probably not going to be there much longer. Is it Trailer? Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's a, he's a really good coach. They went to overtime week one. I think they lost week two, but, um, isn't yeah, he the coach? Be, he's the coach. Isn't he the coach that doesn't, um, he, he'll never punt on fourth down. Isn't that him? Never punts on fourth Did, down. Always. Isn't that, I thought that was him. That, no? that there is, that guy is in college football, but he put, he's the coach of like Presbyterian, uh, but okay. trailer does subscribe to a lot of these riskier moves. Okay. That's where, that's where I was. Yeah, coming from. Got it. Anyway, but that's going to do it for picks. We picked a bunch of games this week. How do we? How are we doing right now? I know it's only been a couple of weeks. I am at sixty percent, fifty nine percent. Wow. Yeah, I and it's been pretty consistent. I think I've been right at sixty percent each week. Uh, I went. I got four out of our seven picks last week, and you got three out of our seven picks last week. If you remember, we went opposite on everything last week wow. except for Pitt, i think and this week looks like it's the same so uh i would have to i'm trying to pull up real quick your um your percentage but it is you got you got a slight edge on me through these first two weeks yeah i think i'm i'm at 59 percent. you are at 41 percent. oh that's not that's not so good i gotta i gotta pick it up yeah all right well i'm looking forward to the game this weekend because I'm hoping I can wake up, have some coffee, just kind of sit in front of my TV yeah. at 11 a.m. sharp. Yes, the old 11 a.m. <laughs> and game. watch us score a couple touchdowns. That would be nice, all before noon. <laughs> yeah, you still have time. I can instead of mowing my lawn before the game, I can mow my lawn <laughs> after the game. You know, and do do those sorts of things. Maybe go play a round of golf after uh, we've already played our game that day. I was happy to see that it's on ACC Network, despite being against Wofford. Because I was expecting it to be on like ESPN Plus or RSN or some yeah. you know crappy network, but it is on ACC Network, so everyone should get the game. Anyway, well, that's going to do it for the podcast. Let's hope we get a, a win against Wofford and we can 
start getting tuned up for that West Virginia game. Robbie and I will hopefully be recording earlier in the week since the game is on Thursday night. Yep. We will be quick turnaround, so we'll be bringing you a podcast here in not too long. But enjoy the game this weekend at 2DVT on Twitter, at 2DVT on Instagram. It's 2DVT at gmail.com if you want to email us anything. And, of course, it's 2DVT.com to stream all of our podcasts, check out all the beers we've had, look at our merch, and I think Robbie's stats are still on there from the past few years. But he, are you cutting it off this year? I think I'm going to cut it off this year. I never got anybody to really, you know, I, I was doing them for myself. And, yeah. Um, I was thinking about doing it, and then Grant Wells threw four interceptions in the first <laughs> game. And I was like, because they're mostly, I mean, it's mostly QB stats that I do. Yeah. That was like the primary focus. So as soon as the, the fourth interception was like in the air and I saw what was about to happen, I think in that moment, my brain said, no, you spend too many hours doing the stats. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a fair, that's a fair thought. Yeah. Well, enjoy the game until next time. Go Hokies.